0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Dylan LeClaire is the Senior Market Analyst at UTXO Management, a digital asset fund investing in the analog to digital transformation of money and the emergent financial system. In this conversation, we discuss Bitcoin, on-chain metrics, market structure, and what to expect from the rest of the Bitcoin bull market. I really enjoyed this conversation with Dylan, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Crypto.com. They're helping to mainstream the crypto industry, signing major global partnerships with multiple sports, including Serie A, the Italian Football League, the UFC, and my personal favorite, Formula One. With over 10 million users around the world, Crypto.com offers an easy way to buy and sell more than 100 cryptocurrencies. You can even buy Bitcoin with as little as $1. New users enjoy 0% credit and debit card fees in their first 30 days as well crypto.com also pays some of the most competitive interest rates in the industry. You can find out how much you can earn by visiting crypto.com. Crypto.com is also Visa's biggest crypto card partner. My listeners across North America, Europe, and most of APAC can apply for a slick metal card offering up to 8% back on most purchases and comes with amazing perks like 100% rebate on your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. Get $25 when you download the Crypto.com app today using code POMP. Again, $25 when you download the Crypto.com app today using code POMP. Go check them out. Crypto.com. Not only do they have a great URL, that's the place where mass adoption is happening. Next up is Matrixport. Have you lost your way in this low-yield environment while searching for a better store of value to beat inflation? Look no further. Invest with Matrixport to get more from your crypto with the potential for up to very high yields on certain products. Matrixport is Asia's fastest-growing digital asset platform founded by crypto veterans Han Wu and John Ji. With $10-plus billion in assets under management and custody, Matrixport offers one-stop crypto financial solutions including fixed income, DeFi in one click, structured products, Cactus Custody, Spot OTC, and lending. You can earn a high double-digit yield with the dual-currency product or opt for the lucrative potential of the new product, Range Sniper. If you hold crypto and are actively looking to do more with your precious assets, then this app is one you don't want to miss. Download the Matrixport app and enjoy a welcome offer of very high yield on fixed income for new users. You can also go to matrixport.com or download their app, matrixport.com, or go download the app to check out Matrixport, Asia's fastest growing digital asset platform. Last but not least are my friends over at City Coins. As you may have heard when we had May Miami Mayor Francis Suarez on the show to talk all things Miami, including his excitement for a project that's really caught my attention, Miami Coin. This is the first token to be released by CityCoins, a community-driven initiative built on top of Bitcoin. Yes, it is built on top of Bitcoin using stacks and smart contracts. CityCoins aims to give people around the world a new way to support their favorite cities. In short, the city of Miami was given $7 million and has now grown to over $20 million and counting by private citizens to improve the city with no strings attached. A city government embracing crypto instead of fighting it was a historic event. You want to get involved? Follow them on Twitter at MineCityCoins or go to CityCoins.co to join the community discord and contribute to the movement. CityCoins.co. All right, let's get into this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Dylan, talk us through the price is going down right now. What's up with uh, Bitcoin's price? Why is it going down?
1: Yeah, I think it's just some uh, macroeconomic uncertainty, uh, some of the stuff with the, the new variant, which is, you know, you can, I guess, assess the validity of that, uh, you know, your, uh, yourself. But I think that's, you know, you're seeing the equity sell off, you're seeing, uh, you know, like crude oils down like 13% today, just various asset classes are selling off and Bitcoin's just kind of reacting sort of as a risk on asset. But, um, you know, really, it's just I think investors are kind of Uh, searching for a little bit of protection, not in the way that we think of it, uh, in the terms of like, they're going to print a lot of money, which I think that's the response that's going to come, uh, with any sort of, you know, macroeconomic shock, uh, but just on a, you know, intraday timeframe, I think that's what's occurring.
0: All right. And when you see that, are there specific metrics in the Bitcoin network that you look at when there's something that appears to be affecting it from outside, like an external shock like this, is there things that you look at for either measuring health or things that you look at? Like, if this happens, I'd be really worried.
1: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, looking at something like long-term holders, uh, you know, coin days destroyed, stuff like that, where you can see like day to day what's happening uh, with kind of old coins. And you're seeing just like a little bit of elevated spikes on on both of those things today. Um, And so I think that's just, you know, like with long-term holders that, you know, there was a a decline of about 76,000 Bitcoin, uh, which sounds like a lot, but. Um, it's, it's, you know, we're still far above the levels we were at this summer in terms of accumulation. So I'm um, not too worrisome, but just kind of, uh, I think it's investors are looking for a little bit of uh, protection and maybe, maybe taking a small amount of chips off the table.
0: Got it. And when we start to think about the numbers that I pulled up earlier in the show, so 0.01 Bitcoin balance on Bitcoin addresses, the number of Bitcoin addresses with 0.01 as the balance or more hit an all-time high. We're now at almost 9.3 million. Also 89% of Bitcoin is in profit. Do you put any credence or value to the, like some of those underlying metrics that continue to hit all-time highs or remain very, very attractive? Or is this simply a game of supply demand? Everything else is uh, kind of a, a function or an outcome of the supply demand. And that's all you care about is looking at supply and demand.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think there's there's a couple of different like cohorts of of Bitcoin investors or kind of you know um, supply and demand. There's there's the stackers and the, and the hodlers who you know Strike just rolled out hourly DCA, right? So so I set up an hourly DCA, and every single you know every single hour I'm taking some satoshis off the market, and I know there are a ton of people that are also doing that at, at a lot larger scale than I am uh, all over the world. So so that's kind of like that base level demand, and you're seeing that that's a, that's occurred for the last ten years, and that will continue to occur. Uh, But you also see, you know, with the derivatives market and with the Bitcoin on exchanges, there's like a few million Bitcoin, about two, three million Bitcoin that are basically just wash traded day to day. Uh, And, you know, whether it's a headline, uh, whether it's CPI or the coronavirus, uh, you know, variant risk and and all this stuff, it's just headline traders. And so, you know, they kind of whipsaw the price around over the short term, over the interim, uh, but over the, you know, weeks, months, quarter, year time frame. Uh, It's really the stackers, the hodlers that kind of set the floor and, 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 you know, kind of create this reservation demand for Bitcoin.
0: All right, and then when you start to look at things like DCAing uh, via that, is that where you see the world kind of moving to? Is just more of like this automatic uh, DCA streaming payments, like people just kind of set it and forget it? Or do you think that as Bitcoin's price goes up, people will still look at this as like a, a very much like macro investment thesis? Like, okay, here's my thesis. Here's what my allocation of my portfolio is. Here's what I'm willing to risk. Here's how much I, I'm looking for as a upside. Here's what I'm going to sell at if it, there's downside risk management. Like, how do you think this plays out? Is it more of an investment asset or people really do look at it as the savings account?
1: I think it's both. And that's what, what's the fascinating thing about it is like, and I, and I kind of play both a little bit myself where I view it as my long-term savings account, um, as my savings medium, you know, I, I have, I have a, a stash that I'm not going to touch for, for decades. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully leave it to, uh, you know, it's, it's my, my kids that I don't even have yet. <laughs> um, but also at the same time, it's treated as as kind of this this risk on risk off asset day to day. And so, you know, and, and like with the derivatives like we were talking about, um, you're gonna see stuff uh, on the shorter time frames where, where it pumps like crazy or dumps. And and a lot of people are just kind of confused by that volatility and saying, how is this possibly, uh, you know, a safe haven, uh, you know, medium for, for, for your long-term value. But, um, you know, the, there's kind of those, those two investor classes like we talked about, or maybe not investors, but the savers, the hodlers, Uh, And then kind of the day traders. And so, you know, you can you can be both. But I think for most people around the world, more and more people are kind of treating it as this savings medium. And I'm just going to passively allocate to this on a day to day basis or week to week or or whatever it is. Um, And, you know, whether that's corporations, whether that's uh, Wall Street institutions, whether that's nation states um, or just individuals. I think, you know, broadly, more people are adopting this. And with absolute scarcity, you know, the price can only go one way in the long term. Got it.
0: When, uh, Joe and John's got questions, they're gonna ask you here in a second. But, uh, one other thing that I'm very interested in is, uh, we've now seen Bitcoin city and we talked a little bit about this, uh, earlier in the week, but it feels like this Bitcoin backed bond. Uh, we continue to see Samson Mao talk a ton about, there's lots of interest, lots of interest, uh, you still feel pretty strongly that this thing's going to be like oversubscribed and lots of people are going to want access to it like I do? Or after having some more time to think about it, like have your thoughts changed a little bit as to what the reception for that Bitcoin backed bond might be?
1: I think it's pretty interesting just in the sense that, you know, with fixed income, there's, there's no upside. It's really only downside in the sense that um, you're getting paid a, a, you know, a fixed amount of fiat currency traditionally with fixed income. And so any sort of inflation risk or, um, you know, usually it's not at a sovereign level, but any sort of default risk there's really only downside, you know, if you're talking about other sorts of investments, whether it's equities, Bitcoin, you're thinking about how much can I make, but fixed income investors off, you know, they're thinking about how much can I lose. Um, And with, with yields around the world, basically at record lows, um, you know, not even accounting for deflation or or default risk, fixed income investors really uh, are are in a tough spot. So when you have kind of this, this call option upside uh, with the Bitcoin exposure uh, that the El Salvador's Bitcoin bond comes with, I think a lot of, you know, maybe investors or fixed income investors that, we're skeptical of Bitcoin in the past. Are looking at this thing that's been the best performing asset, probably I think eight years out of the last decade, and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, this is this is pretty interesting."
0: Got it, Joe, John. What questions do you guys have for Dylan? <laughs> Dylan, uh, a lot of people joke about uh, everyone talking to their grandparents and their parents and their siblings and everything like that, and selling them on Bitcoin uh, during the holidays. I'm curious, is there like actually anything on chain that we can look at to see if any of this is is <laughs> happening on a substantial level or not?
1: uh not that not that i've seen um i mean anecdotally um i threw out some some joke tweets yesterday um no my my uncle jim did not mortgage the house uh to buy bitcoin on the spot but um i i mean i have had all the conversations with all of them uh and bitcoin did come up you know 10 20 times throughout the last couple of days and so i think that's happening around the world i mean uh you know there's there's that that Bitcoiner in the in the friend group in the family that continues to talk about it year over year and you know the results don't lie. So, um, in terms of like whether we can see that in the data, in terms of yesterday, uh, I don't, I don't think so. At least not from what I've seen. Uh, but I think you know there's just that, that kind of that Lindy effect, uh, and you know that that crazy cousin, uh, you know, is con- continues continues to be right. And so you know there's something to say about that.
0: John, what questions do you have? What's up, Dylan? Nice to see you in Florida. You look uh you look happy. I'm glad Thanks went well for you. So my question is, what is your argument for people that say, like, how do I convince people when I get together with the for the holidays? How do I convince them that Bitcoin is a store of value? Like what Bitcoin is, like what is your easiest thirty second pitch for people to say?
1: Yeah, um, I think one of the things that's that's worked really well for me, and it, it may not be like hold up true right now with the recent price dump, but um I checked as of like a week or two ago, it was you took ten bucks a day over the last four years and just passively allocated to it instead of going to the gas station or you know ten bucks a day, right? It's, it's not too much. Um, ten times three sixty five times four. That's about fourteen thousand dollars passively put away, uh, and that's of about a week ago. That was a hundred thousand dollars, and so obviously as Bitcoin grows, um, those returns are, are going to be diminished. Um, the upside isn't isn't what it was four years ago or four years before that, um, but just you know in terms of a lot of people get scared away by the volatility. But, you know, from a compound annual growth rate perspective, not many asset classes are going to beat that sort of performance. And I think that's going to hold true going into the future. Um, and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of shock and awe when you kind of throw those numbers around saying, hey, you know, just 10 bucks a day. You know, a lot of a lot of people that aren't investors or don't know where to even start hear that. And, uh, you know, their eyes kind of get a little wide. So that's what I've been using as my kind of 30 second pitch.
0: Boomers at the table might uh, their jaws might hit the floor if you talk about the amount that it's appreciated over the last decade compared to bonds <laughs> or anything else.
1: Exactly. I mean, those treasury bonds at, you know, whatever, 1.5% don't look too attractive.
0: Dylan, another thing that we saw this morning is uh, Singapore has uh, approved two Bitcoin spot funds. How do you think about like, geopolitical competition uh, from other regulatory regimes with the United States? So if the U.S. doesn't approve a Bitcoin spot ETF uh, and kind of continues to drag its feet on some of that stuff, do you see investors wanting to just go get the exposure in these other markets or is still the U.S. kind of the king? And once it gets approved, there'll still be massive capital inflows, in your opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think U.S. capital, uh, public capital markets are the biggest in the world and, and will continue to, you know, there, there's just no kind of competition from just total size perspective. But in terms of like the Bitcoin geopolitical kind of game theory or, or maybe jurisdictional arbitrage, it's really, really interesting. And, and seeing that, uh, especially following the China ban earlier in the year, um, seeing some politicians say, you know, we have to capitalize East versus West and, and we want to come out ahead. And this is a matter of national security. I mean, it's playing out how a lot of people said it would play out in theory but it's not theory anymore. And I think that's one of the things that the biggest Bitcoin skeptics still are missing. It's like, you know, we're going to ban Bitcoin. And it's like, well, obviously we're not because there's, there's so much uh, interest in this. There's so much vested interest in this asset class, uh, whether that's from the political standpoint or just in terms of the pure, pure capital behind it and all the lobbying efforts that are happening, you know, beneath the surface. So, uh, you know, we still don't have a spot ETF, but uh, there's, there's just no way a band will occur. And I think, you know eventually the pressure will mount so high that you know we have all these other countries that have it why don't why don't our capital markets have one um, and so we'll probably see that in 2022, but the timeline on that is still unknown.
0: Got it. And then last question I have for you, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go and let you go back to your family and enjoy in Florida. Is when you look out at uh, the bull market, obviously this price drawdown. Uh, there's a lot of people who are nervous, they're scared, they're they're fearful. Does anything change about your outlook, or do you still see us uh, kind of in a continuing bull market and have uh, pretty um, kind of deep conviction in that price will go much much higher, you know, through the end of this year and potentially into Q1 of next year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like the, the thesis, it's completely unchanged in terms of the recent events over the last week, over the last couple of weeks, uh, we talked earlier this week about the dollar strengthening against other fiats. Um, and even though, you know, inflation is running hot in the US, uh, a strengthening dollar in the global uh, economic system is, is is bad news for all asset classes. Um, and so, you know, that's what we saw in OA, that's what we saw in 2020. Uh, but but the good news is any sort of response to some sort of uh, dollar shock and, and asset sell-off is more of the same, right? So You know, it's kind of heads heads you win, tails uh, you also win, (laughs) in the sense that they're going to continue to have to print a lot of money. Uh, The response can be more of the same, and even if the you know the Fed or you know politicians jawbone, we know what's going to happen. Money supply is going to increase, and you know basically equities and every sort of asset class, Bitcoin included, even if they don't admit it, uh, keeping that price sustained is a matter of national security, just with with you know how the the financial system the economic system is currently uh, stocks everything can't go down for a sustained period of time uh, just because with how the fiat system is built and so you know we kind of know the long game is that you know if there's a shock to the downside it's an opportunity um, because you know the response will be more of the same and bitcoin is the asset you want to hold in that scenario
0: makes sense to me real quick follower check dylan's at eighty nine thousand. Me- means by the end of the month he'll be at 100 keep tweeting don't mess up keep tweeting we had hundred by the end of the year. That means we got to put one big 50 K follower month together in December and we're at 150 K. Like I said, he would be, you, you got it in you.
1: I think so. Hopefully
0: John, you, can On you target. get to hundred K by the end of the year? I'm trying. <laughs> 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 it won't be for lack of effort. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, Dylan. <dude>, <laughs> it. I appreciate <laughs> you taking a few minutes to, uh, to jump on here. Uh, obviously you've been, uh, been all over a lot of this stuff and, uh, uh, we appreciate all the, uh, the data you've been sharing. Joe, John, you got any last comments, thoughts, statements? I'm trying to order a Chick-fil-A over here. I appreciate you joining us for Thanksgiving, Dylan. I hope you have a uh, wonderful holiday season and we'll talk soon. Good luck to the 150. go follow Dylan. What is it at Dylan Leclerc? Underscore. Yep. Underscore. Gotcha. All right, buddy. Cheers, thank, guys. thank you so much. Appreciate you. Happy holidays.